0: Are we actually starting? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Are we sure recording yet?
1: We okay. Are all of our computers silenced? Yep. All of
0: our phones silenced? Yeah, mine's I right think
2: here. you should add that in there. The, when Hannah stops the podcast. Are we doing this?
0: Are you are guys doing serious this? Is right this right real? Now? Are you Did it sound
1: like we were faking it? <laughs> you just made one of the most huh? brilliant
0: segues in the history of podcasts in all time. <laughs> I was like, are we going to include
1: all that stuff
2: about the Taj Mahdeck? <laughs> our job is
1: to help you... The destination is I will be a disciple who can make disciples. We got
0: to watch people see themselves as world-changing. So we do want to welcome you to the Disciples Made podcast. We are all about shenanigans. We love shenanigans. We love having fun. We don't take ourselves seriously, but we take the business of Jesus seriously. Today we are going to be talking about the fourth of five pillars of the intentional disciple making environment, which is actually this is number five, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to say it's five you're doing of five. Yeah,
2: this is mission
0: fixated. It's yeah, not number
2: five.
0: We did community forged last time, but this is mission fixated this is well tell me what what does that mean somebody help me out well, What 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 does mission fixated mean and why is that going to be essential to make disciples if you want to be intentional we say we're outcome focused all right yeah so that is kind of a direction that's a target that's something that sits at the top well now we say mission fixated what's the difference between focus and fixated
1: mm. yeah that's good well first of all They're spelled differently. That's true. It's (laughs) different (laughs) letters. Sorry. (laughs) That was my dad joke. It was. It was a good one. I think mission, to me, you have to go back to who is God. And mission is actually something that's intrinsic to who God is. It's not something extrinsic. It's not like God has a mission statement that's outside of himself. That mission, I, I like to think of it as his heartbeat. Like, mission is the very heartbeat of God, you know, that none should perish, that God so loved the world, you know? And so it's it's in, it's in a part of his character, and then that's reflected in the story. I mean, the Father sends the Son, the Father and the Son send the Spirit, the Father and the Son and the Spirit send us. So there's this—if um, we're not fixated on the mission, then we're actually missing the very essence of who God is, because mm-hmm. if God is— a missionary God, then we're a missionary people, and our hope is that our hearts will beat and sync with His, and, and according to the scriptures, at the end, it will. There will be people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation whose heart isn't just beating to their own self-benefit. But to to like justice and beauty and shalom, filling everything, every way. It's a pretty awesome mission, actually. <laughs> it's, what, it's what we long for, and everything else is a distraction. So that's why it's like we need to be fixated on this. And, and the whole story of Israel is an adventure in missing the point. They're invited into this mission, and they just keep missing it and turning it into something else. And finally, Jesus has to come and be the, the true Israelite you know, and and we would be foolish to think the church wouldn't be repeating the same pattern as Israel. <laughs> All right. Well, what
0: would be the top two um, characteristics of Israel then in missing the point? Like you said, the whole Old Testament is a story of missing the point. And then you drew the parallel of may it never be that chapter two of this cosmological view of ecclesiology whatever we're talking about it starts with the nationalism of israel becomes the church in the new testament what would be the top two characteristics of the church that (laughs) missed the point that's that weren't mission fixated so to speak
1: well you've already named one nationalism like turning the faith into some kind of civil religion where here in america we wrap jesus in an american flag and um our culture and our values and jesus is here to help us accomplish the american dream i and i think that is so painfully obvious that Jesus has been remade, you know, in our image. Um, The other one you already kind of mentioned too, which I think is uh, its race. You know, Israel began to see the gift of grace that god gave them and they made it into like a superiority thing look at all these other gentiles you know like they're just disgusting (laughs) we don't want anything to do with them you know now that wasn't with everybody because there were gentiles that were welcomed you know into the temple system and so forth but by and large they kind of looked down their noses at the other nations you know and i think there's still a tendency I mean, I think nationalism and racism are major issues in the church, you know.
2: That's where I went as well. Gotcha. I, I thought immediately, you know, it was, I, I thought inward versus outward focused. And I was actually thinking back to not just the spelling of focused versus fixated. I was trying to really process this again with a fresh set of ideas while Rob was talking a minute ago, just thinking through when you talk about outcome focused, I'm a verbal processor, so I'm getting this out. You can correct me in a moment if you want to. But my first thought was, well, Outcome Focus is about character and calling. We're looking at this individual disciple. We want to help them grow in the fruit of the Spirit and in the gifts of the Spirit. And when you get into mission fixated, we are, I think, moving to a communal level and understanding our role together moving forward into multiplying disciples at all levels so one is about this individual these are your outcomes but they're also everybody's outcomes don't get me wrong but then the mission fixated is this is what we are all moving forward in together go make disciples of all nations
0: so outcome focused is kind of individually targeted and then mission fixated is who we are together that's yeah, a yeah. fantastic distinction
1: well and i think this is another another way things go sideways is many of God's people see mission as an extra activity uh, that you can add on periodically. Like, I should go down to, you know, the volunteer at the soup kitchen or once a year I should go on a mission trip and people begin to think of that as mission. As a category of or, yeah. It's an activity I need to do periodically when really mission is meant to infuse the whole way we see ourselves and the world and God and that driving question we ask all the time is like, where is God at work and how can I join him? Like yeah. Jesus said, my father and I are always at work. You know, it's not like my father and I go on a mission trip once a summer. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, we're on mission. We just choose to yeah. do
0: that overseas or in a, another part of the country. Yeah, so point.
1: mission becomes like either a department in the church or becomes a certain activity you do every once in a while. And that's a major demotion, such a radical, Reduction. And then people start to think of it as something that pastors do or paid professionals or specialists rather than, no, this is all of us.
2: I also, just to go back to that kind of nationalism, racism piece, within that old covenant, there is built into it a welcoming of the stranger, a welcoming in of what is external. But it was like they never fully grasped that and went after that as radically as they should have. But then there is no doubt within this new testament mandate of like all the world and then we have the full picture of it later on and as we see the kingdom come in its fullness but you know it's like we can't miss the welcoming of
0: everyone some of the language i've used across the years of ministry is you're either um, focused on mission or maintenance but you can't really be fixed on both and uh it's with any organization you know you talk about, you know, the lifespan of any organization, you can talk about a bell curve. And if we get to the top of the bell curve, just like in your in your own life, if a couple, if a, if a married couple is starting to get older, if they don't reproduce and have kids, then they're lineage stops right there you have to reproduce yourself at the top of the bell curve and move over and and for uh, most churches and organizations businesses if they get up to the top of that bell curve they've peaked so to speak which is a popular word these days but they don't recreate at the optimum time they tend to drift into a let's maintain what was yesterday instead of propelling on to what's tomorrow uh, maintenance, and so I always ask that. used to ask myself, how do churches get fixated on what color carpet they're going to be buying for their building? How could that be the source of their biggest conflict? It's apparently they've gotten off point of the fact that we're in a global, cosmic, spiritual war that has real casualties with real people every day. And I think just one day we're going to wake up to what was really. To be done during our time on the planet, and think we were arguing about carpet. It's because mission fixated wasn't part of the intentional disciple-making vocabulary. So, let's go back and just ask the missiology 101 stuff. Robbie kind of started on this: mission is the impulse; fixated is it's not just an object of our attention. It really is the heart that drives everything we do. Is what I heard you say. What else? uh would you say there just in a
1: basic missionology 101 framework yeah i think of mission there's two dimensions to it one is out and the other one is down so out is it's jesus looking you know at the 12 and saying Haha, we're gonna start here jerusalem judea samaria the ends of the earth it's all these sort of like arrows pointing farther and farther and it's like the Holy Spirit has his foot in our back, and he's just pushing us out of of where we are into crossing boundaries. And that could be as small as literally crossing your street or crossing your fence. But it can also mean we have to cross an ocean or cross a jungle. So it's it's this vision that started all the way back in in the garden where God says be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth now through the new creation and the great commission he's it's the same thing it's like we need to fill this whole earth you know with people that are experiencing that kind of resurrected life and then making that tangible in whatever corner of culture they've been sent to so that there's that outward bound part and that's what Brian was getting at earlier it's very easy to just or what you're talking about it's like become obsessed with inward things like the color of the carpet. The real context for disciple making, if you look at the life of Jesus, it's like, I'm going to plunge you into really uncomfortable situations. Like I'm going to plunge you into lostness. I'm going to plunge you into this weird situation where someone's manifesting demonic evil. I'm going to plunge you into places culturally that you're, you not only feel uncomfortable with, you literally think are evil and wrong. And I'm literally going to take you to what was called the gates of hell. Where they're going to be sacrificing where they've sacrificed human beings it's like what do you no good jewish boy goes to these places but for jesus that's literally his classroom so that's why in our ide's we're asking people like you need to identify your context of mission because you're not going to do mission in a small group for an hour a week it's going to be where you live work learn and play and you need to start looking for okay where's the lostness where's the pain where's the Where's the emptiness? Where's the... So wait a minute. Here's what you're saying. That we're all
0: missionaries. (laughs) Yes. We don't have missionaries. We are missionaries. Yes.
1: Yeah, we think it's the birthright of every child of God to be a missionary and a disciple maker. That's for everybody. And if we're not living into that, we're not living into our birthright. A number of years ago, it wasn't many years ago, probably
0: six or seven years ago, I heard this statement. If you're, if you're a Christian and you aren't a missionary, you're an imposter. So this may be the first time some of the listeners have ever heard that. I'm just curious as to how they're feeling right now. I'm assuming you would believe it. The two of you would believe it. If you're not a missionary, you're an imposter. What would you say to the person who's just heard that for the first time?
1: I would tell him about being on staff at a very large church leading local and global mission and having a moment where I was standing at the end of my driveway looking around at my neighbor's houses and I had this um, revelation that was devastating which was you know I'm a better missionary on the other side of town and in another country than I am in my own neighborhood like I couldn't even tell you the names of my neighbors a couple houses down I was that disengaged and I realized if Jesus lived in this neighborhood, it wouldn't be that way. Like those neighbors, two houses down, they could literally die and I wouldn't even know. And, it, and my heart broke because I realized I'm skipping my own Jerusalem to go to Judea and the ends of the earth. And Jesus said, no, you gotta actually start in Jerusalem. So I would say I've been an imposter. I was, and I was a pastor leading local and global mission so you might want to consider it's possible that you're an imposter (laughs) because
2: it's easy to miss step one is definitely consider the possibility that i might be an imposter but i think the another component or aspect of this is the type of christianity that we have pushed forward in the west which is far more about changing my morality you know it's It's just being a better person and living happier or living your best life now or which being happy and filled with joy is not. I mean, the fruit of the spirit is joy, peace, patience. But when we make it about adjusting our life around a set of morals or behavior modification, I think that's the language I've heard. Yeah. Behavior modification we're not thinking about living in such a way that we are being sent you know when so much of scripture is about being sent old testament new testament whom shall i send who will go for me here am i send me go make disciples of all nations teaching them to obey everything i've commanded so even in this um this commandment is like this expectation of obedience and mostly our obedience is really wrapped around don't lie anymore. Cool, I got that one. You know, don't don't have an affair. Cool, I got that one. You know, like working on those sorts of things. So there's a difference, though, in obedience-based when it's about my whole life. So I was thinking while you are talking this submission to Jesus as Lord. And when he's Lord over everything, and when we think in terms of obedience-based disciple-making, not information based. And I just know more about Romans than I did yesterday. It's like, if there's an expectation that you're Lord of my life and I should be obedient to everything you say, then it shouldn't surprise me that I should be a missionary.
1: Yeah. I, what Brian, you mentioned Isaiah and I was thinking when Jesus starts and basically declares his mission statement, he's unrolling the scroll and you think about what he describes. He's like, it's going to be good news to the poor. So if you're on mission with Jesus, you're going to be near the poor. And there's different types of poverty. There's spiritual poverty. There's financial poverty. But if you find yourself, in the name of Jesus, kind of isolating yourself from poverty and creating a little bubble of like, oh, we have our little world of safe Christians. And every once in a while, we do a little foray down to the soup kitchen so we can check our box. It's like, that's not what Jesus did. He, he was so among the poor that it was something that was a... A presence an ongoing presence you know he talks about um freedom for the captive so it's like are you near anybody who's in captivity like addiction prisoners like constant tension and chaos in their family or do you run away from it like I, <laughs> i'm not that's a hot mess right jesus is plunging himself into that like recovery of sight for the blind you know what i mean the, so that's when jesus is describing his mission it's like look for oppression look for poverty look for captivity and 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 go straight in
0: yeah because he said that's what i
1: came to do i today that prophecy is being fulfilled in your hearing well and that's what had to change for me in my neighborhood i always see my home as a refuge like i need to go home and be safe and be quiet and get away and um, because I'm in my mind, I was even more justified because it's like, man, I'm I'm spending all this time in the inner city. I'm spending all months, a year in India. Like when I get home, I need to, you see what I mean? And it was like, my life actually became, our family life became richer because we started intentionally looking for those pockets in our neighborhood and, and meeting people in a relational way, you know? and that, And I wouldn't have believed that beforehand. I would have been like, no, it's going to be worse. Yeah another
2: side of that too that's kind of coming to mind is this tool that brad briscoe taught us of these missional barriers that people have to cross and part of understanding that we are missionaries or part of the difficulty in understanding that is the form of church which we have been given which is centralized in a building and we invite people and bring them to that place it is it is the church
0: the church is the mission that the local congregation then is the mission. Yeah.
2: So it's getting back into this identity piece where we understand we are the church. It's not a place. It's not a building. It's not an activity. It's an identity. So as we understand the church is an identity, the church is sent, we are supposed to go. And so he talks about how when you think of, you know, a first missional barrier is usually language or race. A second missional barrier is one whichever one the first one wasn't that I just mentioned. A third might be politics. a fourth might be um their their religious history. A fifth might be their cultural history like you can just keep adding these and what he was showing us is for the most part, we ask people that are four, five, six missional barriers away from us to do the hard cross cultural work, he says, of getting back to the building. And then he said, the first time I heard this, I think he worded it, we're in in essence, we're asking them to be the missionaries, rather than us being the missionary that goes back across those barriers to reach them and engage them. And so that's what that was like the the huge shift in my mind is like, okay, if we own identity as the church and the church has been sent, it's a people, not a place, then we have to adopt that missionary
1: mindset well and you're you're hitting the second piece i think it's really important it's it's an outward motion but it's also a downward motion so you're going down into culture and so you're not actually trying to plant a a specific form of church like you're a missionary saying god you've planted me in the culture of this neighborhood so i'm going to go into it And I'm going to be one of just like Jesus came from heaven, left his privilege, which we can't even comprehend what he left, actually, to become us. It's like an elephant becoming an ant. (laughs) It's except by a factor of a billion more. Right. And and he lived among, uh, you know, that first century Palestinian culture and he communicated through it. And 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 its idioms and practices were his practices. So we have to go down into whatever culture God has sent us to to be one of that particular pocket of people he sent us to reach. And God's strategy to reach every single pocket of people is He's sending His people. We're like, we're like seeds or we're like salt, you know, and God is scattering us into every corner of culture, every sphere of society. But we have to join him doing what Jesus did, which is like going down into that culture, actually beginning to live deeply in that place and then plant the gospel there, you know, and that's what actually makes new disciples, a planted missionary and a planted gospel, new disciples emerge. And then the way, of course, we talk about it is a church emerges. You don't plant a church. Suddenly you have three or four new disciples and guess what you have? A new extended spiritual family. You got a new church. (laughs) You've got an
0: infinitely scalable process, which has been the case in many parts of the world over the last several or the last couple of millennia and what is re-emerging right now. And you guys are a prime example of that with the Kansas City Underground. So thank you uh, for your innovation. I want to go back um, and and go back to that listener sitting in the car. So if you haven't turned us off yet and gone <laughs> to listen to Joe Rogan or well, <laughs> <up here. laughs> you're still with us, um, you know, the, the question that I, I postured that question or posed that question to Robin and Brian about, you know, how, how would you counsel a person hearing that from the first time? So the answer that I kind of had in my head was uh, Jesus will never condemn you with a phrase like that. But you just said it. He'll invite us into this. And so thank you for sharing your own kind of moment where that became real to you, that there was a level up opportunity that I had not yet taken advantage of. For most people, it's because I didn't know that that was really the picture, which is why we want to make sure that this is a concrete element, a pillar of an intentional disciple making environment. If you pull mission fixated out of the equation It could become maintenance fixated, which is we build our thing, our way, and then we believe that that is actually what this is all about. It's not. It's the mission of Jesus. Five words or less. This is another one that I'm throwing you off the spot, and then we're going to get really practical. Five words or less. What is the mission that we're to be fixated
1: about? Go make disciples.
2: Yeah, I was counting. I'm not good at math. I was like, <laughs> go make disciples of all nations. That's six. Sorry.
1: Sorry. And, and the other one would be, you know, join Jesus, filling everything, every way. Bring the kingdom. There we go. That's what it's about.
0: Uh, let's get practical here. We've talked th- uh, philosophical here quite a bit. Um, how do you mix the mission fixated ingredient into an, an IDE? Like for a lot of folks, they're in the process of trying to transition their small group or their Sunday school uh, into more of an intentional disciple-making environment. If that's you, we say, awesome. We love it. We we believe that that's going to be our biggest contribution to the kingdom is this whole language of the intentional disciple-making environment and the five pillars. So practically, you've got a small group. Our listener has a small group. They're in it.
1: And they're recognizing, I want to be more mission fixated with our group. How would you do it? uh i'll go first and give one and then i'll hand off to brian um i referred to this earlier it's like realize mission starts right where you are and i would encourage you it's you live somewhere you work somewhere you play somewhere you may study somewhere um i would encourage people to begin to sit down and and pick one or two of those to be a place where they're going to intentionally join Jesus on mission. You can't be a good missionary in five, six, seven different places. There's just not enough hours in the week. So I would say, okay, start by praying and saying, Lord, where, where is my primary place that you're sending me? Like where do you have the greatest sense of sentness? Where do you see kind of maybe uh, relational openness? Like you've got a lot of relational credibility, or maybe spiritual curiosity. You can tell people are asking questions about meaning and purpose. Uh, so identify a primary place and then start praying for people by name. Like that's point, like that's step one. Like, Lord, where have you sent me? And then start praying. And then I think the idea of missionary rhythms becomes really important. Hold on, before, we, before you jump there, let me go back and
0: ask this. I'm just trying to think, okay, how would that not work for the listener? Uh, and one of the things that comes to mind is so many small groups operate out of a kind of a democratic system. Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, I don't know. What do you think? And what do you think? So how, what's a way to perhaps, uh, a small group hack that if that's the end goal, I want to identify a context that we as a group are going to start going at.
1: See, I, I wouldn't start with we as a group. It's like you as an individual, you as an individual. Now, if you all are from the same context, let's say it's a small group and you all work at the same place or you all play softball together or you all live in the same neighborhood. Well, then that makes it simple because you already have a shared context. If you don't uh, just have see yourself as a band of missionaries and say, okay, each one of us is going to identify our primary and share what that is, you know, describe that.
0: Gotcha, and then kind of debrief that uh, as you go, like every week or every other week. Kind yeah, of I think he's operating
2: with the assumption that you are talking about a small group that comes from different places around the city and they come together on Tuesday nights for their Bible study. Yeah, like that would be a group of people. You would say, unless you all work together, it's not going to be the same context because we should primarily think about our neighborhoods. People push back on me all the time, but to use the art of neighborings language. If you don't love your actual real life neighbor, that is also a a case study of missing the point. I mean, I know that that story where Jesus is saying, love your neighbor, that the dude's just walking along a road and he stumbles across this man. But it's still like, if you cannot take that literally, if it's just metaphorical, they say, then you only have a metaphorical love. If we cannot start with our actual neighbors and just knowing their names, we're probably never going to actually do it well anywhere else. Um, so that that is a, a, a that's a point I'm always going to push. But I think that uh, if if they're a small group that's coming from different geographical areas, do exactly what he's saying. Imagine yourself as you know the band of missionaries. We're going to go think about these other places. The things that I would add to what Rob was saying, because he took my answer, would be. Uh, um, the The two things that popped in my head would be build a team or join a team and tell stories. So these are just kind of practical follow ups of as soon as you pick that context, whether it's where you live, work, learn, play, or a passion for a people group that you have, build a team of people who share that same passion. Because when you have that passion, you're going to focus on it together because of the storytelling that's going to happen. And I think storytelling is just what fuels that mission. It's like we saw a breakthrough or we're burdened because we're not seeing breakthrough. So we're praying harder into that and we're trying some things and experimenting. And now we've got another story to tell. Well, now we're struggling because we're not seeing breakthrough. So we're praying again. Then we saw a breakthrough. Let's keep telling. And so those stories. Just fuel your desire to be even more fixated on where Jesus has sent you or to whom that He sent you.
0: Yeah, what gets celebrated gets done because it's highly motivating.
1: But Brian Johnson, I don't know. It it it'd be really helpful if there was like maybe four or five things that I could practice or focus on. I don't, is, is there anything like that? That do you mean the blessed rhythms? Oh, what is that? <laughs> what is it? Here's the softball. What ball. is it that you speak <laughs> of? Here's the T. I've never
2: hit a home run before. I might be about to hit one. The blessed rhythms are begin in prayer, listen and engage, eat, serve, and story. So it's an acronym that we use that we train missionaries on. And we say whatever your mission is, if it's a people or a place, begin to live like a missionary. And that keeps you focused on it because you're praying for and with the people in that place. You're constantly asking Jesus where he's at work in that place people or that place so that you can join him where he's working and not manufacture it you're listening to the stories of the people in the place and engaging in relationships you're sharing meals and feasting together you're serving in tangible ways so you're bringing the kingdom which is the mission and then you're sharing how the gospel story has changed you and how it changes everything and i mean that's a whole nother set of
1: podcasts on how to live those missionary rhythms yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's that's the essence of missionaries made it's About four months to begin to live those in a way that's actually a rhythm in your life. And what's amazing about the blessed rhythms is it does actually help you go down incarnationally, be one of. It also helps you go out. Um, But the thing that I continue to be amazed at is how much richer your life is just personally. We tend to think of mission as something that it's just going to stretch us out and it's always and there are there is a huge sacrifice to mission i don't mean to minimize the cost um but when i think of how our neighborhood has been changed and now how our neighborhood feels like a big family with an amazing father and i came into our gathering of our micro church last night like just exhausted honestly i didn't want to go I was like, oh, I kind of wish I could have come up with a good excuse not to be here. <laughs> but at the end of it, I was literally overflowing with joy. And I was like, man, I, the what they gave to me last night was so replenishing. And, um, and I just think if you'd ask even any of our girls, they would say, man, it's a way better way to live. Um, because I think it's um, the family everybody's looking for. <laughs> you know that transcends culture and bloodlines and is this deep the deepest connection you can have that's
0: awesome yeah i'm glad you mentioned missionaries made i was i had that in my head to do as well it's one of our four pillar experiences We've got pillar ideas and concepts. We also have off-the-shelf tools that you can subscribe to. We don't make this a commercial much, but we also have this value of never really challenging people to a certain type of life without providing adequate tools and resources to help you get there. And that's really important for us to say. Uh, so you can go to disciplesmade.com if you haven't already. Check out Missionaries Made. Uh, some of the branding says uh, Blessed Learning Community because it's founded on those blessed rhythms. So if you are wondering what's that's what... That's why. That's why. <laughs> that's why. All right, so here's how I'd like to wrap up the rest of our time here. I'd like to hear a story of a person that was really a part of that old... that 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 model that I was coming from, the small group model. You know, people from different parts of the geography, uh, come around for a common study, a common whatnot. They, we might sprinkle some fun time in there. We might sprinkle some missional activity in there. And we're thinking that we're hitting nine out of 10 when we do that. But now you listen to a podcast like this, or read a book that talks about things like this. I'm the missionary. I'm on mission. I connected to the heartbeat of God to actually express the heartbeat of God. Tell me a story of somebody that went from small group uh, perspective to they're actually living it now
1: man there's so many stories to tell well one of them that for some reason popped into my head was a guy who was actually in the very first bless learning community a guy named grant and he was working at cerner at the time and he was a manager he had a team and he one of the smartest guys i've ever met yeah he's a smart guy but very humble and teachable and uh, so he started praying for his coworkers by name, beginning prayer. Sometimes he said he'd go early in the morning, so like sit at his desk and just pray for him, you know, or walk past theirs, not be praying out loud, you know what I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> praying. Um, and then he said he started being intentional about listening to him, not just about work, but like how's it with you? How's your marriage? How's it with your kids? You know. And then he got intentional about um, rather than just having a meal by himself, like at least two times a week. Intentionally having meals with his his team and the people he influenced, and there was this one guy in particular. They had this internal chat thing. He said he started like one day he was like pinging him. <laughs> he's like, I really need to talk to you, you know. And he'd go back to work, and like five minutes later, he's like, Man, there's something I really got to talk to you about. You know, he said he kept pinging him, <laughs> and he finally was like, Why don't you just come on in here and we'll talk? <laughs> I
0: remember he was in my leaders' made group, and he said there was one day he was sitting at work, and just that little internal messengers thing was yo. Right. Yo, just two letters, Y O. Right. Yo, what it. is this about?
1: <laughs> he just wanted to talk. You know, a jump forward. I mean, uh, that guy, whatever, weeks or months later, I don't really remember the exact time, but they're studying the Bible together at work during lunch. And then this is starting to spread in his team. It's like a new culture that does what Bless does, it creates this kingdom culture. So he was tapped by his boss to say, hey, we want you to, do, they have these like city halls at Cerner. They're like, we want you to do a city hall on your team, what you're doing. We've noticed some differences. So he presents, and it's basically all servant leadership. And at the end of it, he says, by the way, this is all found in the person and the work of Jesus. <laughs> he just puts it out there, right? This makes such a big impact. He was eventually invited. They have different levels of these city halls to the highest one to present basically jesus leadership model that's amazing that's <laughs> called being a good missionary you know to literally enter the pain of an individual like his co-worker i think his marriage was upside down you know what i mean it starts there but eventually he's standing in front of you know the heads of cerner basically saying you need to lead the way jesus does Cerner is a pretty big organization as well.
0: And if you don't know this, uh, this guy, Grant, also ended up uh, realizing, or he started to do this in his neighborhood where he lived as well. And a missional community evolved uh, the beginnings of a church. Well, and he ended up leaving his small group. Which is what I, that's where I was headed. Yeah. You know, he started out, well, what do I do about my current small group if I actually do this and stuff happens where I live, work, learn, and play? What do I do? I remember Grant coming to me and saying, look, uh, most of my neighborhood they live around and might go to uh, a, another church that's in that area. So I'm going to start going to that church instead of West Side where we were in order that if and when they start to have that spiritual curiosity, I can invite them to my place that's not 20 or 30 minutes away, but right around the corner. And I remember just him, how hard that was for him to say, that's probably what we ought to do. But uh, we were all like, dude, that's what you have to do. That's one of many stories. That's good stuff. Brian, you look like you want to say something.
2: Yeah, it just made me think. It's like that's the choice to walk away from what's safe and comfortable and go out and deeper. I mean, I'm. you said it. I just needed to say it in a, in a more obvious way for those that are slower like me and need to hear it. But uh, it As you were saying that too, it's like the the ultimate desire that we have for the other work that we're doing in Kansas City is to see these microchurches form. What's the definition of a microchurch? An extended spiritual family. We want to create families of belonging. And sometimes you get that in a small group, but often when you do, because it's within this smaller context that's not outward focused and multiplying focused, you tend to want to hold it. We talked about this last time, and then it usually doesn't last. You know, but thinking, as we were challenged earlier today in another, another meeting, we were in thinking generationally. And that's the way families think. You already use this, you know, like if you get to the top and you don't have kids, there's a there's an end point to that legacy. But if we're thinking and pushing everything through the filter of a family, which is what scripture helps us do, then we're thinking about generational and we're thinking about multiplying. And that's like a part of the mission fixated. It's like at some point you leave your mother and father and you connect to another and you create a family. And at some point those people leave their mother and father and that and they move and it's a generational multiplication that happens because
0: it's just built into who we are now yeah yeah grant was happy and then he was happier yeah, <laughs> yeah. jesus doesn't condemn us into a type of rhythm that we're not gonna find joy and fulfillment through he's gonna invite us into a life that uh is powerful so um oh and by the way i just have to throw this in there i love being able to talk to people about how jesus built mission fixated right into his invitation to a relationship he'd never said guys want to come hang out with me and grab a latte and study the torah <laughs> he said come i'll make you fishers fishers of people he builds it right in there okay so let's let's wrap this thing up by tackling that very large question i'm gonna i'm gonna reframe the question a little bit we just got very specific about uh nationalism is kind of a way we can become fixated which has so many unhelpful consequences we can't even begin to talk about them but we want to talk about If your mission fixated, you're filling the whole world in every way with the with the with the person of Christ, the goodness, the glory, the love, the power of Jesus. And part of that is politics. Part of that is health care. Part of that is the law enforcement. Part of that is all these other things. What helps? What What are some key insights we can have as people who have now been invited to engage that mission or be on mission to avoid? getting ourselves into a more toxic thing such as nationalism, racism, and any of these other things.
2: So I had a friend actually that sent me several articles he wrote for Saturate uh, this past week and his name is Michael Sullivan. Everybody calls him Sully and they are really helpful resources about our politics and the way that we see things and I'm still, they're not long, but I'm still digesting them. Uh, Each one is kind of building on top of the other. But several resources, um, I think Eugene Cho writes this, uh, how to not be a jerk, just like how we engage our politics in the kingdom and what that means. But some of the more like high level things that he put in into this article is like initial questions that we can ask as we think through this is, what's our definition of a gospel of the kingdom? and how do we think about how we submit our politics and our nationalism in light of the reign of Jesus and his kingdom, which takes us out of left, right, conservative, liberal, traditional, progressive, and we we submit our little paradigms to a bigger paradigm. So there's a lot of work that has to be done. Another one is justice. Do you th- Do you tend to think of protection Justice and governance more in a retributive way or a restorative way in relation to current U.S. politics. So, how are followers of Jesus as his kingdom of priests to uphold both justice and righteousness? And here it is with humility and honor among other people, regardless of political, ethnic, or religious differences. The way of the exile. Do you feel like an exile right now? Well, how did Jesus live in and among? the exile and welcome them and then if we live in the story as one
0: who was on exile himself yeah, exactly. exactly from his homeland right yeah
2: if we live in the biblical story how can we continue to remind each other that we are born again to a living hope in christ as we seek jesus kingdom first and his justice and righteousness today um and he posts this other quote our most revolutionary political act is to hope uh by james k a. smith so um it's deeper. I don't fully know how to answer it. I'm always wrestling through that question of, like, how do I engage this stuff in a helpful and and positive way? But just that idea of restorative justice, how do I join in bringing the kingdom? And, you know, that, that piece, too, we've already mentioned this, Philippians 2, of in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, and taking the very nature of servant, being found in appearance as a man, all those things that we are... We should be taking this downward mobility posture rather than I want my way to be right at all costs. I don't care who is affected in it. It's, it's the downward mobility always that I think will serve in creating restorative communities and conversations that can, that can be progressive. I don't mean that in a political way, but move the needle forward in how we can bring the kingdom so if, I don't know if I answered the nationalism question
0: <laughs> I, think, I think you answered the more important question is how do we not get to a place like that or anything of that nature and I love where you were driving it Brian essentially here's, what, here's how Jesus put it he said take up your cross and follow me what does that mean well my life's not going to be about me it's going to be about him and therefore it's going to be about others I play a part in it, but the point isn't me. So if you're fighting for your own life, he says, you will lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you will find it. That's kingdom economics. Nationalism is a grand scale. Here's for us. As as opposed to them, perhaps, right? Is that fair? Is that an uneducated opinion or is that a... A semi-educated opinion it's 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 us versus them and there's no them in the kingdom if there is a them it's those who have not yet found the beauty of living in submission to the lordship of christ
2: i read this quote to you christian politics will grow when christians begin to take seriously christ's command for us to love our neighbors the love command will lead us to be dissatisfied with the unloving injustice of every type of organization of political life which discriminates against some to the advantage of others i mean just that like it has to be the love of the neighbor and we can't again taking that downward mobility we don't want anyone to be discriminated against and and be oppressed in any way and when we take the desire to love it's always
1: elevating so if you look at jesus and how he selected his 12 he had uh at one end of the continuum a disciple who was completely compromised with rome and then another who was ready to take up arms and swords so he picked in his inner circle people from completely different political perspectives and so, if you look at your inner circle and there's no political diversity, you should think about it. <laughs> Jesus didn't do it that way. Also, Jesus would be confronted over and over again, both from the conservative angle, which is typically the Pharisees, and then you'd have like the Herodians and kind of their angle. And they would try to nail him from both ends of the continuum. And he would always come up with this third alternative. Where it's like you can't get me in your conservative category. You can't get me in your liberal category. So I I would just say as followers of Jesus, we should always be pursuing the third way. Like when people ask me about what political party I'm in, I typically say, well, I'm independent. Because I have some some parts of my leanings are very conservative and other parts are actually really liberal. I I don't buy into either one as a party, as a whole, because I'm trying to do the complex and difficult kind of pondering of what's the third way how do we take the best from here and the best over there you know and advocate for that so for example like with immigration for me it's like as a follower of Jesus I don't have a choice I'm going to be pro-immigration I'm going to be pro-immigrant now that doesn't mean anything goes because you have to start asking okay what's the actual best thing for immigrants that are coming in you know for them not to get like put into ghettos like they have in Europe where it's like, everybody come, everybody come. And then they end up actually isolated because they haven't actually been integrated into the larger society in a way. That's helpful. You know what I mean? So it's, it's complex. And that's where it gets back to what you're asking. Like we need the people of God who are called and they've studied and they've labored and they've failed and they've learned and they bring their genius on that topic, you know? and um, are able to step into those places of influence in the political realm and bring those solutions. One image as we wrap
0: this thing up, we're in Kansas, we're talking about a narrow pathway that leads to, uh, which is the third way that leads to this great big thing called the kingdom. And I can't help but think of the yellow brick road. <laughs> now, here's what I mean by that. We're going back and we're talking about mission fixated. One of the things that they did so brilliantly with the Wizard of Oz is they painted the Emerald City as this glowing green city way, 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 way out there. Now, no matter what they did, all the distractions that came up along the way, they were always focused where? They were fixated on getting to that place. They had to stay on the trail. Why do we talk about being mission fixated? Jesus has a new city, a new Jerusalem that will get here. We all want to taste it. We all want to feel it. We all want to see it. How do we get there? We live out the mission ourselves as missionaries. Thank you for joining us for this mission fixated portion of the Disciples Made podcast.
2: We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.